Hi, this is Marlene, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or MP3 files can be found on MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Go to MarlenePardo.com for information on new book releases. I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms and can also be listened to via Alexa, Sonos, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for scary storytelling, Nightshade Diary for classic horror and adventure stories, Stories of the Supernatural for interviews with different guests on the show. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit Strange Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com or find us on Blogspot. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. It's Marlene with Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing? Good, I hope. I'm doing well. Everything is good here. As you can tell by the way I'm dressed, it's weather's warmed up a little bit up here in North Florida. But then, you know what? It's kind of crazy. And I hear this from, I, I see this from people from all over the place. It's crazy weather. But then it's, what's today? Thursday? By Monday or Tuesday, it's supposed to go down into the 40s at night. So it's like, I'm <laughs> well, as far as I, it's even nighttime. Sometimes even at night, you know, the temperature will drop. I don't know. Crazy weather. But anyway, guys. Everything is good here. Um, I know some of you have asked me about the planting around here. They've brought in all the different fruit trees into all the uh, different gardens, you know, the Walmart, but everybody uh, over here, this is the time, you know, all the bulbs, whatever. So yeah, we're doing like a, one of those, um, you know, let's, be, I learned my lesson last year. Like I said, when you live in South Florida where it's subtropical and you can plant stuff just about any time of the year, I was like watching people running around planting and, you know, and the gardens were full and they had just brought, I was like, I didn't get it. I got it. So this year I learned. I've gotten, as a matter of fact, I just got two new peach trees, which they're budding up for me. I haven't even planted them and they're budding up for me. So I'm like, yay. And um, also, like I told you, you know, we have some very very old, very large live oaks out in the property. And we're gonna do like a little statuary garden out there. So I'm just trying to find some nice statues to put out there, but I can't, they can't be too small because when you've got a tree that's about what, 60 feet in the air above you. Uh, and it's about, you know, like I said, this people have estimated that that tree's gotta be between three and 500 years old and it's a trunk. Well, one of them, I've got two of them. I've got several of them, but the two big ones, they're like, it's like I said, even men come on the property and go up to it and hug it. But anyway, yeah, that's that's Marlene's uh, preparation into springtime. So let's get on to the good part. And yes, the chickens are all fine. Before you all ask, my chickens are all fine. Uh, and like always, I've got a renegade chicken <laughs> that's going into underneath one of my sheds, even though I have the lattice work all under it. I don't, I still haven't figured out how she's getting there. And you know how I know it? Because one of my dogs, he's kind of blind, but his scent is great. And when he starts circling it and he does that little yip, 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 I was like, oh God. 
And sure enough, she's she's not broody. She just she's laying eggs there. And I've you see me, I, I've already got a bunch of junk all along the edge of the dirt between the lattice. And then every time the little shit's in there somewhere. And I hear and then you see the little rooster, he stands outside and he's like, you know, guarding, you know, watch out. I, I still, at this point, I've got maybe two or three areas around it that I haven't covered up, but I, it's like, she's like the Houdini chicken. I don't know how she's getting in there, but anyway, yes, that's what's happening in Marlene's chicken world. Okay, now let's go on to the good part. Good part is who I have as a guest. Uh, this is a lady by the name of Lisa Livingston Martin. She is the producer and writer for the Dark Ozarks TV series. She's an attorney, author, and director of Paranormal Science Lab based in Southwest Missouri. She is a lifelong resident of Missouri and is a frequent speaker and writer on history, unexplained miseries, and the paranormal. So help me welcome her tonight. How are you doing today, Lisa? I'm doing good, and thank you for having me. On the contrary, it is my pleasure. <laughs> so let me ask you, uh, did you ever, how did you get into this field, childhood experience or what happened? <laughs> well, um, yes, yes and no there. Um, I did have childhood experiences. I, I grew up on a farm um, in Southwest Missouri that was the site of Civil War battles and, and we had things happen there. So I grew up knowing and experiencing things that not everyone did. So I've always been interested, uh, but I grew up went off to college, uh, went off to law school, started a family, um, had been away from my hometown for, oh, 18 years. And uh, my husband and I, uh, at the time, we uh, moved back, we're looking for a house. And, and really what happened was we were looking at a house to buy and it was turn of the century arts and craft home. We we're going through it with an agent. We'd been upstairs and uh, the agent and I had come back down and there was a switchback staircase about four flights um, from the living room upstairs and uh -huh. I'm standing there talking to her and you know I've got numbers in my head and everything. I'm, the last thing I'm thinking of is anything paranormal related and my ex-husband is walking down the steps and he, you know, he'd take a step or two and he'd stop kind of look over his shoulder and he kept doing this all the way down four flights and I'm thinking what is wrong with you <laughs> Yeah, what's going on, you know? Yeah, what what's going on? You know, um, person this age is going to think you're nuts. And he gets down to the bottom, and he kind of kind of has this odd look on his face, and he goes, "Did you guys hear that?" And we're like, "No." And he kind of shakes it off, and then later we're down in the basement, and it's um, massive, you know, foundation walls, and the the interior room is sort of a circular room and had a couple of side rooms. And I kind of lingered in the main room. The The old boiler was staying there. And I'm just kind of standing there for a second. The other two had walked off to one of the side rooms. And it was the first time I've ever been touched. And it was literally cold as dry ice. The distinct sensation of a thumb being laid on one side of my neck and then one, two, three, four fingers and then the cold going through the back of my neck. Wow. And I was like, well, that's a little up close and personal. Yeah. Uh, not sure I want to do my laundry in this room. Um, so I walk over to the, to the doorway where, where they are just in time for, to hear the agent say, I don't know what this room was used for. And I, I walked to the doorway 
one wall is all old apothecary cabinets, seven metal sinks oh. on the wall, and the largest drain in the cement floor you've ever seen. I just looked at her oh. and said, I'll tell you, it was the embalming room, and turned around, and I start towards the stairs. I can still hear her stilettos chasing me down the hallway going, well, well, I guess I, sh I should tell you this was a mortuary uh, in the... Also, you know, she did know. She did know. Uh, oh. but, but it's not something that has to be disclosed here. You only have to disclose if it's a mur if a murder took right, place. Right, right. I know that every state and has different laws, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, I thought she really didn't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, she, knew, she knew, but yeah. Oh, but okay. generally, they, they don't, unless you ask, they don't, you know, they don't tell sure. those things. And so we we ultimately um, bought another house. Actually, the house I'm in, and it's a block and a half away, actually, from that I was house. about to say you bought it. <laughs> no, um, but not really, not for that reason. But it's funny because that, that was uh, 21 years ago. And okay. um, I've walked, you know, of course, walked the neighborhood in the evenings and so forth. And over time, I realized when I walked by, instinctively I'd walk to the other side of the street, uh, walk on the sidewalk on the other side of the street. And, you know, just realizing, you know, you could just, you can just feel yourself being watched as you go by and no one stays there more than a couple of years. Oh, um, me to my question, <laughs> it was yeah. like they got the revolving door of, uh, occupancy. Yeah. The people that are there now have been there the longest and they've been there about maybe three, three and a half years. Um, and then it's then it's funny because that, that experience is what prompted me to want to uh, research, investigate, ultimately write books, et cetera, et cetera. Uh -huh. And one thing that I do now is I, I conduct um, I do conduct uh, history and uh, paranormal related tours at historic sites. And okay. <laughs> oh, about three years ago, I I was at a, a historic uh, opera house in the area. We were doing a, a tour. And on a break, um, I hear one couple talking, you know, saying, oh, do you remember when so-and-so had that house? And, and they start talking enough, I realize I think they're talking about that house. So I talked to them, and it was their family, someone in their family had owned it, uh, owned the house for two or three years back in the 70s and uh, had a lot of activity and ultimately was the reason they moved. So, Yeah. So, that, that, in other words, nobody got spared, huh? Apparently not. Uh, you know, uh, I've I've been you know almost tempted to knock on the door of the people that are there now because they've lasted three years. To, but right. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, and the reason why I ask is that you know sometimes you hear some of these houses where some families move in, they've got mm -hmm. everything happened to them, then another family moves in and nothing happens, and they're like, "What?" Right. Yeah. You know? this, this this one this one apparently pretty much everyone. Long. Mm -hmm. And was it empty the time that you went to see it? Was it empty or was somebody living there? Uh, it was empty at the time, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> sure exactly how long it was empty then. but. So I guess that real estate agent was happening. You were, was hoping you weren't going to catch on as to why there's a big drain with seven sinks in a basement. Exactly. Exactly. Like, well, and, and, and to be fair, probably most people wouldn't, you know. No, no, no. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I've, it's hard to believe something like that. And people don't realize that this was common. Like you said, at the turn of the mm -hmm. century where um, 
mortuaries or funeral homes where the family sometimes even lived on the same property. Oh, yeah. Or they were in a residential area. It's not like now that, you you know, there's located in the business section of town. Mm-hmm. Well, and actually in a lot of places they still are. Actually, most of them in, in this part of the country are in old homes. Right. I've seen that they've kept that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't the norm. It wasn't like people would look at and go, oh, you know, it's like, no. Yeah. Yeah. And I tell everybody, you know what? Back then also, a lot of people would die at home. It was Actually, most like- people. Most people did, um, mm-hmm. particularly until about the 1920s. Um, yeah. And most funerals and weights were held at, at home. Uh, Victorian homes, one reason for the, the parlor, uh, aside from being socializing, was it was it was uh, for laying out the deceased, and that, that's where you would have your weights and funerals. Uh, and then your formal living room up front tended to be called the family room, and when you see a Victorian home and it will have the main entrance and then on the side, usually on the other side uh, of the porch, there'll be another door right. that goes in. That's the death door um, because family would go through the death door into the living room wow. um, when, when you had a, a funeral. And then once it got to the point that funeral homes were very common, it actually was a good housekeeping magazine that renamed the family room, the living room. And we, we that gained. Is so interesting. Yeah. I always thought and of living as in living there. Not, 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 I know it now. Because, because they said, you know, basically uh, the, there was a big article that they published and it started this, this trend that, that the family room really was not for, for the funerals and the dead anymore. It was for the living. So we should call it the living room. And so that's how we got formal living rooms. And then of course, later on, now we have family rooms that are the more casual room. Right. Yeah. Where everybody hangs out and watches TV. That's so interesting. I I never knew the origins of that, but you know what? I know that back then, yes, you know, if there there was a stigma attached, if it was like, uh, you know, murder, but you know how nowadays if people say somebody died in there and everybody's like, no. And it was like back then that was the norm where people, if they were old or they had some type of illness, they would pass away at home. And it was, nobody thought like, Oh, that, you know, somebody died there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, it was expected. If a house was there very long, someone would would have died there because sure. that's what happened. Exactly, and things. Uh, so when you you moved into this other house, and what happened? You were like, okay, let's make sure. Was it an older <laughs> home like that one? Yes, it's a Victorian, um, okay. and and it is it is haunted. Um, and I don't have any problem with that. I've dealt with hauntings before, but you know, just you know, ha- having something you know, uh, very deliberately take you by the neck that could be yeah. viewed as a, a very threatening. Uh, they usually warm up to that. That was out, out yeah. the gate, and they're grabbing you by the throat. It would have been all downhill yeah. if you had ever moved in there. Exactly, exactly. But no, uh, there, there, there's activity here. Um, there's two, there's actually two different women apparitions that people see. Um, people have seen two different men. I have not seen the men, but we've had people see diff- uh, two different men um, and disembodied voices at times, things like that. Did you um, do the history on the, on the property? 
Oh yeah, it was it was built in 1889. It was actually uh, built by two spinster sisters, and they lived here for about 50 years. Oh and my then, God. Uh, yeah. And then their uh, niece had it, and then another family, um, and then an elderly couple had it for a few years, and then we bought it. So it actually hasn't okay. been owned by that many people. Right, right. I was gonna say they hang out there. So yeah, those are yeah. The likely the usual suspects are. Probably mm -hmm. those spinster sisters that lived there for so long. Oh, I, th I think I think sisters are here. Um, the the two men, I'm not exactly sure who they are. Mm -hmm. And sometimes yeah, but... you know, there's people on the periphery that they they're never documented anywhere, but mm -hmm. you know, people. And they may be dead to my or... family somewhere too. You just don't know where they've come sure. come from. So, but it, but it's where, all. How did you awesome. go from moving into a haunted house too? Doing... <laughs> well and like i said i've lived in other places that had activity so that that part didn't really bother me but you know having that experience you know being touched and and everything it, it renewed my interest that i'd always had and mm -hmm. said okay i'm i i really want to know more and you know why these things happen and you know okay figure out the puzzles if you can you know sure sure did you, um, because it sounds like what, in that area, there's a lot of older homes, I take it, right? Uh, well, there are, um, most date to uh, after the Civil War, because mo most of uh, most of Western and Southern Missouri was burned during the Civil War. So there's very, very little that oh, survives okay. before the war. But, um, but we have, I mean, you have, there's a, just a lot of history in this area from, uh, Indian Wars to the Civil War, uh, very um, contracted um, uh, guerrilla fighting. Some of the worst guerrilla fighting of the war happened here. Okay. And um, it was a mining area. Um, this area was um, very prominent in the Depression for all the bank robberies and all, all of the gangsters. Um, all the, 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 what was the bootleg? Like Bonnie and, Clyde and, and Free Boy yeah. Floyd and all, all those people. Uh, actually, um, Joplin, Missouri, which is just about 10 miles from me, a little bigger town, uh, was known as the, uh, the home of uh, American uh, bank robbers during the 30s. So um, there, there's just been a lot of things that have happened here. A lot of action, huh? <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yes, people that uh, don't realize that um, mm -hmm. when uh, during the the prohibition, man, a lot of things. Uh, it wasn't just strictly the the depression of itself. It was the uh, prohibition, mm -hmm. a lot of uh, crime and things. You know, people got desperate. It was like, mm -hmm. yeah, a lot of uh, and a lot of people were done away with as well. <laughs> You know, it wasn't well, yeah, a lot, a lot of things, a lot of things happen. So, yeah, so yes. that you just have a lot of factors that kind of go into it. And um, uh, th there are a lot, there tend to be quite a few haunted sites in this area. I think a lot of it has to do with geography, too, because we were on a um, uh, limestone plateau, lots of caves, lots of underground rivers and lakes. And so uh, I think it just tends to amplify things. Now that you said the thing about the cave, I remember I read an article, uh, and I included in my blog, and I don't know exactly, um, about those three little boys that disappeared in the, I think it was the 1960s. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I remember that story. I can't remember exactly where it happened at, but yeah. Right. I want to say it was, was it Hannibal or, 
It was, I, I think uh, it, you know, those caves that were made Kirkwood, famous by yeah, Campbell or Kirk, Kirkwood, Kirkwood, I think, yeah, somewhere up right. in there. And yeah. um, they apparently the kids in that area would go exploring in the kids. This is like a normal thing, but mm -hmm. I think that uh, if I read correctly, they were doing some type of construction work on the road close by. Bottom mm -hmm. line, these kids all went. Two brothers and a friend went off, and that was it. They've never yeah. Never, they and they I was they mounted like a massive manhunt. Like people went in there, uh, you know, specialized mm -hmm. in cave. They never found anything. Oh yeah, I mean, there, there's there's underground tunnels in a lot of the towns around here and everything that um, uh, they they were used to move. Uh, wagon loads of, of goods and, you know, that kind of thing, as well as underground tunnels to go to the brothels, mining, mine shafts. Uh, like, uh... Yeah, I mean, there's, the, you know, tunnels and everything are very common around here. Um, they try, if, if there's a cave in, and because they try to keep them all blocked off anymore, because people would go exploring, and they're, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it is very dangerous. So those things happen all that, you know, have happened throughout time here. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. That, um, I believe, um, that, uh, you know, the Tom Sawyer series, they, you know, mm -hmm. they, they talked about these caves and a bunch of stuff. Oh like yeah. The that. March one cave. Yeah. Actually, that's a, yes. that, that's a very interesting story at, at Hannibal because it's only named Mark Twain cave because after he became famous before that, it was the McDowell cave. Uh, after uh, Dr. Joseph McDowell, who um, uh, is a very interesting character. He was a brilliant surgeon and um, started the first medical school west of the Mississippi. And uh, in the oh, early, late 1830s, early 1840s, his 14-year-old daughter died, I, I think, of uh, typhoid. I can't remember. And um, he was also interested in the supernatural, but he was very interested in uh, reanimation. And he preserved her body and he owned what is now Mark Twain Cave um, and kept her preserved in a, in a metal, metal um, casket in formaldehyde and I don't know what else uh, with the idea of preserving her until hopefully at some point um, she could be brought back to life oh. and um, that's just one interesting story of, of, of McDowell. So. What was it? Was he keeping her in the cave? I, he, he kept the, he kept her there because of the low temperatures, the stable temperatures. Yeah. Cause he was trying to preserve her body oh, until, okay, I because, until uh, science All could right, progress yeah, to the, the cool point that she could be brought back to life. Yeah. Trying to preserve her body. That is, mm -hmm. and I'm still here and I'm hoping I'm going to come back. It's just my, I'm telling you every once in a while, <laughs> you know, the internet hiccups and everything. Oh yeah. But anyway, yeah. Um, you know, there was something else that I, I know it's not per se the, but, and I was looking at, it, I said, you know what? I got to ask her about this. Okay. And this is not really a ghost. It's about a, some type of, I guess it's a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch called the blue man. Oh, the blue man. Yes. Yes. Um, what is that? I had never heard about, I mean, I've heard of Bigfoot obviously, but I had never yeah. heard of the blue man. 
uh, Blue Man is uh, uh, Blue Man stories go back to the 1860s in southern Missouri and northern Arkansas, and it's basically uh, a Sasquatch type creature that is described as having um, uh, very dark brown or or black fur, but with a with that it has a blue tint to it, you know, uh, in the light. Um, and so they would they would call him the the blue man. Um, some people have there. There's an alternate version that one of the early witnesses had a nickname, Blue. They called him Blue for some reason, and that's where the name came from. But witness accounts usually describe the creature as having uh, a bluish tint to the fur when the when the sunlight hits it. So. And what happened? But are you saying that it was the that the natives in the area had already sighted it beforehand? That they, like in other words, they already had a history of this creature. Well, uh, you I, know, how yeah. sometimes they'll say, "Well, certain of these Bigfoot versions." Uh, right. say, well, the natives were already, you know, had a some and, kind and of that's, oral and history that's, about see, it. See, that's part of the thing is that a lot some of the tribes they would move in and out and. Um, the, the dominant tribes in the area did not actually did not live in, in in this area. They lived further north, but they would come down to hunt. And so um, the area that the blue man is sighted in, you, you didn't really have permanent Indian settlements until much later. Um, and during relocation times when they were moving Indian tribes west. So it's hard to know whether whether there were accounts or not because some of the tribes in the area um, do have some cryptid stories, uh, whether including some that would be Sasquatch um, related. But whether or not we're talking about the same one okay. is not real clear. Um, and the and the name the Blue Man really came about in the 1860s. Um, and the, fir the first major uh, case was um, uh, a group of loggers were attacked by this creature and basically uh, came out, you know, they were in a clearing, it comes out of the trees, has a large stick and, and is attacking them and does tree knocks and things like that. It was very aggressive. Interesting. Interesting. And, and they, they get away. Um, uh, a couple of them were injured, but they get away, and then they report it when they get back to the nearest town. And then there's been sightings off and on up, actually up until so in other not words, too long was... ago. You know, they, they just don't occur as often anymore. Okay. In other words, the and, and the reason why I say is that I know that different parts of the countries have sometimes their version of Bigfoot, and they've given mm -hmm. it their, their own name for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to ask you, and because you mentioned something about weird cryptid sightings, mm -hmm. uh, I've heard, and I don't know if this area is close to where you're at. It's what is it? It's either what is it? Land between the lakes or um, God, shoot, I know it's in the Ozarks. I just can't remember. And I had heard, I wish I could remember right now what the particular name is. Is I know it's like in the lake area, and that they're saying mm -hmm. that in that area there's a very high that like there's a lot of sightings of different types of cryptids. Mm -hmm. um, well, I mean, there are, I mean, there, now there are some that, uh, are a little more, um, uh, 
folklore legend than than real sightings. I mean, you have the the White River uh, monster, things like that. That you know what? Uh, I'm sorry, I take it back. I think it was it's. I think it's in Kentucky. I'm sorry. Okay, no, you're fine. You're fine. Uh, I mean, there and there there's a there's a, 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 a an area that's not too far from about thirty thirty five miles from me. Uh, that's just in the uh, northeast corner of Oklahoma. That uh, and it's on tribal land, um, uh, Goatman Holler, and it's um, they have what they refer to as a goat man, that is really a Sasquatch, but it has horns um, that uh, that are circled like like a like uh, like they uh, circle back uh, like they like a ram's head like 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 a ram's horn, and. Um, uh, some years ago was uh, honored with being actually being invited out by tribal leaders to um, um, to look at that as well as a couple of other things. But uh, one of the more interesting stories was uh, Goatman Hollers, and it. it's a very isolated area, and you have to hike a couple of miles back into it from the road. Uh-huh. Uh, there's a stream at the bottom of the ravine. It's a very deep V ravine. And um, while we were uh, hiking in, we were being tracked by something on the ridge. You could you could hear it. You could you could catch a little bit of movement. Uh, never could get a clear photo or anything, or, or see it clear enough to because there was enough foliage. Um, it was summertime, uh, but there was something up there, and it was upright. Um, and uh, but the tribal leaders told a story that several years before they'd been having uh, flooding issues, and so the state had sent in uh, the Department of Natural Resources to dredge the stream. And while they were uh, down there working, um, back at their houses, they hear gunshots from that direction. So they go investigate, and they meet the workers coming out, and they describe, you know, basically running into this goat man and uh all they had with them was a 22 and they shot at it and said they got it in the shoulder and it screamed and ran off and they refused to come back without shotguns so i bet it's like holy crap <laughs> yeah it's like all oh, oh, oh god yeah goat man yeah slash bigfoot mm-hmm. wow um would you say that a lot of the, especially I imagine the, I don't know, do do you do only do you do any type of investigations now at all? Yeah. Or just mm -hmm. okay. Do you go to usually historic sites or do you actually go to residential spots? Um, do both. Uh, don't do as many private um, cases yeah. as I used to. Um, okay. Just for time uh, reasons and and just the number of things that are going on between. Uh, producing a show in development and writing books and everything else. Um, yes. But um, uh, in the historic sites that we, that we work with uh, mm -hmm. tend to be, we, we, it's not, it's not overly commercialized. It's not like the, you know, destination sites like Valeska or Waverly Hills, et cetera. Sure. But, um, but we work with them for fundraising and different events and so forth. Mm -hmm. You know what I t I prefer these places because after a while certain uh, locations historical sites mm -hmm. everybody and their co second cousin 
has gone, you know, and done mm -hmm. you know some type of show on it. And it's like, yeah, uh, I get it. You know, and you already know. It's like you already know the story or who the supposed ghost star or what happened or yeah. what's the history, whatever. And it's like you know, sometimes personally, I like when you go into these locations that are not really that well known. You know? Yeah. And that, yeah, and, and you know, I've worked with and been on, you know, most of the big shows and everything, and so yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, actually, one of the locations I work with is is actually being featured on uh, Nick Groff's uh, Death Walker over in the UK mm -hmm. right now, since it's not getting since Discovery's not airing it in the US yet, but in Canada and the UK. Right, I know I, a lot yeah. of these shows. What was it? I got contacted. What was it? It wasn't. It wasn't for first responders, God. I can't. No, it was. They were, again, the 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 companies based out of Canada, and they're putting together a new version mm -hmm. of whatever. Uh, and I've worked with them before. They, I think, they produced uh, Paranormal Survivor, Haunted Hospital, mm -hmm. whatever. They were going to do something about haunted objects. And if I knew anybody, I was like, no, you know. But I know that a lot of them are first. They air in Canada first, and then eventually yeah. they come down here. Well, um, this is, well, I mean, that doesn't, not exactly how it happened there, but, you know, of course, Nick's done, you know, he was on Ghost Adventures and Turn a Lot Down, et cetera, et cetera. But um, Discovery has the show, but they're showing it in the UK and Canada okay. at this time. But one of the locations they featured, Kendrick the Civil War era house, uh, mm -hmm. I've worked with for the past uh, 13, 14 years. So it's, it's well, pretty Well, I was going to ask you, is there a lot of the events or hauntings that the origins are the civil war some era. are yeah uh, some definitely are uh some are other things or just you know sometimes just tragedies that happened on site or just mm -hmm. you know family that was there for generations and okay. you know that energy's there um one place i work with was a family home but you know they just had a, a, a series of unfortunate deaths. Um, yes. um, one son was murdered, uh, but just several untimely deaths in different ways that were natural, but ended up with a lot of activity in the home. You know, basically right. family's still there. So and still it, there. it could be a lot of different things, yeah. And you know what's really funny is because, I, you know, especially when you do research or you look, you know, it was a higher infant mortality. You know, people just died easier. It was. Well, yeah. It, it, but still, it, there were some things with some families like, man, you, you all need to like do something like, because there was like, yeah, the regular tragedies that just befell people of that time period, shorter lifespan, but still there was. Some, like, some just seemed to have more than their share. <laughs> yeah. It was like, wow, what's going on yeah. with you guys? Yeah. Um, and it's really funny because in some areas of life, they were successful. Mm-hmm. But then when it came to like personal tragedies and things of this nature, uh, almost because of the, you know, sometimes I, cause I've worked with several places that kind of that situation, you almost think, boy, did you, you know, was the price of having success that right. you were going to have lost, you know, I mean, it's, and, and a lot of those situations, not that they were, you know, you can't even point to, Oh, they were, they were a bad person or they mm -hmm. were, you know, ruthless in business or anything you know a lot of them they did a lot for the community and there was nothing out there to indicate you know there was a you know they like were you bad brought it on yourself, you know bad bad yeah. karma you know you were such exactly. a so be that 
Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times it's not, not that, you know, it's just like, man, this, you know, this family just, you know, literally worked, worked their right. butts off and made something and gave back to the community, but then just had a bunch, a series of tragedies happen to them. So. Right. And what's really funny is like, and I'm going to say, you know, one of the spouses would die and then they mm -hmm. would marry, and let's go with, would marry somebody else. So let's say with the, the first wife dies, he married right. another, but usually sometimes younger than him and she yeah. dies and it's like you know they, they and he marries a third time and it's like um sometimes it's like very like man i i, I would have stayed away from me i wouldn't have married you even if you <laughs> it's like forget that uh yeah but, you but, see that yeah but i mean you know it's just like now people you know a lot of people know that situation is the, the the nets misses is looking at oh you know he has money he's well to do oh, etc and you know the others they they died of illness or whatever i don't have anything to worry about oh no no they i don't it's people don't realize like um you know back in I'm, let's let's go to that time period of the civil war post-civil war mm -hmm. um they most women it was like marriage was the end-all be-all in a way and uh well it's their only way for security usually right and i remember what was it i think i was um you know that uh it was it was it was a book it was written at uh devil in the white city or something this was about h.h yeah. holmes when he mm -hmm. was kidnapping and killing and he mm -hmm. met all these women basically through personals and they would be yeah. willing to travel out there because marriage and, and you mm -hmm. think about it it's like man are you crazy and and yeah. then you think about it that the mindset at that time especially as women were getting older like isn't you are already 25 and you're not married what's wrong with you you know that's right <laughs> <laughs> that um like you said hey uh so he's 30 years older than me i don't care i'll be mrs so-and-so exactly and you know yeah it was a different I, mindset it, it really was but then you know uh most women had very little opportunity you yes. know and so um outside of marriage most women ended up in being very very destitute so yeah yes yes people don't realize um i wrote a book back in 2017 it was had to do with like uh the old west you know the brothels and ghosts and all that and contrary to what a lot of people think a lot of women fell into either being dance hall girls or prostitutes because the, uh they got widowed and they had mm -hmm. no way of making money um mm -hmm. Or in some cases, they same thing, but let's say they had a home and they would board out. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes they would take in borders like divorces, you know, and everything. Yeah. And sometimes what they would even do is they weren't a full time brothel. They would only do it like on the weekends. And right. you look at it and they said these women were never uh, had never prostituted themselves or anything, but it was either that or starve. Exactly. <laughs> so, Exactly. So then I was like, I got to do it. I got to do it because if not, mm -hmm. you know, and gotta, you know, eat. Exactly. And so a lot of times they had, they had kids to take care of and everything else. So, yep. yes, you know, yes. it's, it's incredible that there, there was not much, um, you know, and unless you lived in one of the bigger cities where sometimes, you know, they had the factories, but if you lived a little mm -hmm. bit further out in a smaller town or city, your options as far as job wise, very limited. It didn't exist. Pretty it much, yeah. All.
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it's really interesting, contrary to you know uh, some of the things that you think of as being you know um, you know, and, and it's really funny because I know that you know they romanticize some of the old west, <laughs> and you know you think it's all these beautiful young you know dance hall girls, and it's like nah, you'd be surprised. Most of them were, yeah. Yeah, they weren't. They were not. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It's 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 a very. And by the way, I'm not. I'm. I'm. By this, I'm not saying. But some of them that uh, actually didn't get killed by venereal diseases became, you know, opened up their own brothels and mm -hmm. uh, sometimes they died tragically. But they, yep. they, they, they did more than survive. In other words, yeah. They well. They, you know, it's 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 like any time you, you you know you have to figure out how how to survive the uh the circumstances that you're living in mm -hmm. yeah yep 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 whatever it takes sometimes that's the people you know and i guess what i'm saying is sometimes we look at it through our modern day sensibilities exactly thinking, how could she and it's like yeah go back a hundred yeah, years <laughs> you have you have i always i always say you know one history is is messy and and we see a lot of this going on right now with people wanting to revise history and not oh, talk about this and that. And history was is messy, and it's not there to make anyone feel good mm -hmm. or bad. Um, right. And it was what it was. It's just it, what was it was what it was. And if if you don't if you if people don't learn about things just like that, you know, having that empathy and context, you know. The cliche is it's going to be repeated. It will be repeated in some way because mm -hmm. you you aren't learning the lessons. I mean that's 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 why we used to you know we grew up hearing fairy tales and everything were cautionary tales to teach you things uh, and learning from uh, the good and the good things and the mistakes of people in the past is no different. Of course, and I tell everybody when I did that research, they said. Um, you know, the no matter what you had done, as let's say we're going with the, uh, if you put on the marriage uh, label, that's it. You were you were respectable again, and it was impolite mm -hmm. to ask about your past. So, right. um, because this is what it was, and and I tell everybody, you know, everybody looks at that, you know, the that wider movie Tombstone and another one, uh -huh. Earp, that they came out. All of all three of White Earp's wives, if you want to call them that, were all ex prostitutes. Okay. Well, except for his first wife. Right, exactly. Except for the first wife that died from what was a typhoid, I think it was that she died. Well, uh, she she died in childbirth. Right, uh, and well, actually that that happened about twenty miles from my house. Really? Okay, but she was because he, you know, his family they were, and then he kind of like went downhill, and he just. He just well, actually, he was stuff. he pretty, he he ran out. He 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 left he left town because he would he had. Uh, didn't he steal a horse or something for like that? As, as the city marshal, yeah. And for horse thievery. Right. And But he, he was an up-and-coming young man, and then life mm -hmm. went sideways. But then when he went out there, he had a, a first, a, you know, because back then they would say wife, but it was really more like a common-law mm -hmm. wife. But uh, the first one, the second one, the one that... Um, that they put yeah, the first one was... was the first one, they were married. They were married. Right, yeah. no. It was... It was yeah. And, but they, she died like what was it within the first year of marriage or very shortly. Yeah, before. she yeah she died in childbirth. Um, she gotten sick and then died in childbirth. Right. And and then it went downhill. And then he he kind of reinvented himself. Then that's when he went into you know gambling. I mean he played both sides of it, and that was very common. Um, mm -hmm. Is that you'd have uh, gamblers and and uh, 
grifters and then you know sometimes they were on that side of the, uh, the fence and other times they were lawmen and well, even after I, tombstone i mean even after all the tombstone and all that he ended up in hot springs arkansas several years later and got ran out of town by the sheriff for uh, a gambling uh, operation he was running. So yeah, well, what what people don't realize is that when you had these towns that you know sprung up because they were at the end of a cattle drive or they were mining towns, mm -hmm. you had a lot of very rough characters in there. Yep. So sometimes nobody wanted the job of the lawman. Exactly. So some of these uh, mayors, you know, the people, the 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 couple of important people in the town. They would have to hire a, a gunslinger yeah. ex, like you said, on the wrong side of the law, because right. the only one willing to take the job and that could handle the crowd that would come exactly. to these places. So yeah, yes, you're right. One day you could be the lawman, the next day you're the gunslinger, and then, yeah. you, know, then you could flip flop. And mm -hmm. and uh, he, um, even his last wife, that they were married for so many years. Mm -hmm. Um. He, uh, from what I understand, he, you know, he died. He was a little bit older than her, but he died first. But mm -hmm. she had a gambling habit. Yeah. And basically when she died, it, if it wasn't for like his, you know, friends and stuff that basically paid so that she could get buried, she yeah. would have probably ended up in a pauper's grave. Mm -hmm. So, but they tend sometimes, like you said, to romanticize uh, what was going on back then. Yeah. And oh yeah, isn't the case. And, and sometimes <laughs> yeah. reality is much better. I hate to say it mm -hmm. than um, than anything else, but you know, yeah, he he was. Uh, I, I I do have to give him that. He led a very adventurous life all the way till the end. He did, and 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 actually, this is this is a little good segue into the Dark Ozarks project. Um, um, we started it basically highlighting the the dark history of the Ozarks region okay. and what a lot of people don't realize is virtually everything in the Americana mythos of the old west etc that we think of tombstone deadwood all of these things um even cow drives the te the Texas cow drives they didn't those things did not come first all of those things came first in the Ozarks um the uh, the first and pretty much only uh, call out walk down uh, gunfight that ever happened in reality uh, happened uh, in Springfield, Missouri, in 1865 with Wild Bill Hickok and Dave Tut. Um, what we see in the movies really never happened. Okay, yeah, which is. Um, and so uh, we we cover all of these dark. Uh, dark events in history, uh, legends, mysteries, uh, supernatural events, etc., and um, all the different connections between them. Yeah. I tell people back then, people don't realize that people, you know, those that feud or revenge, mm -hmm. man, you could go years. And if somebody was out, like you killed their brother, their friend, or even, you know, you did something they wouldn't mm -hmm. get you. It would be a couple of years later. They wouldn't forget. They well, honor culture. It. it was the honor culture. It really came from um, uh, from the Scotch Irish who settled um, Appalachia and through here, and then went on west. So many of them, um, and so honor uh, the, the the concept of honor culture. Um, 
affected so many things, and it it resulted in those kind of things happening a lot. Right, where people wouldn't be, it was like that bygone, like bygones, like no, that didn't exist. And no. that, well, as a matter of fact, well, what happened with Hickok when he got shot in uh, in Deadwood? Um, you know, I believe it was something that had happened behind, you know, because he was another one that what at one point he was a lawman and then he ended up. Uh, I, he, he 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 would uh, meander. I mean, he started out. Um, <clears throat> in the in the Civil War, he was a Union scout, um, and uh, he the the shootout was actually um, you know made for a movie. It was it was over a a, a, a card game, a girl, and a pocket right. watch, and um, he had lost money to to Dave Tut, and they were best friends. Actually, they had fought on mm -hmm. opposite sides of the war, but they were best friends, and um, they. Um, they were kind of feuding over a girl, and uh, Tut had won a fairly large uh, sum at the card game, and Hickok couldn't pay up right then, and so Hickok had his pocket watch laying on the table, and it was his father's watch, and uh, Tut took it and told him he was going to hold it until he could pay him, and he told him, don't okay. wear don't wear that in public because if people saw him wearing Hickok's watch, it would, you know, right. cause, yeah, like... cause uh, gossip. So which that kind of threw the gauntlet down because um, if he didn't wear the watch, everyone that saw this happen would say that he was a coward. And so um, he ended up wearing the watch. Hickok calls him out on it. They, they meet on the square. And um, they they both shot same time, and um, Tut missed, and and Hickok shot him through the heart, and uh, Dave ran to the steps of the courthouse. He was standing in front of the courthouse and said, "Boys, I'm 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 dead," and falls over dead. And you know, and basically, then a Harper's um, Weekly reporter ends up in town not long after, and. Um, Hickok tells a story and it's it's written and he becomes the first basically um, celebrity of the old west and um, but it could have gone down either way to be honest uh, they both were dangerous men with a gun and it could have gone either way we you know Hickok could have been consigned to uh, oblivion and we not know his name if of the course. shot had gone different exactly it's like um... <laughs> And what was it I heard? What was it that um, I can't remember what Bill Hillcock, if he had uh, some type of presentiment or somebody had told him that he was going to die soon when he went off to Deadwood, because I think he had just gotten remarried or something and he was going into that gambling thing. Yeah, so I mean, well, he'd been a gambler in pretty much off and on his entire career, but and he uh, he had stopped being a lawman because um, uh he ended up uh, someone getting shot that he he didn't intend to, to kill, and he just got to the point he didn't want to do it anymore. Um, but he had he had his, uh, 
he was cautious. He he didn't want to ever sit with his back to the door because he had enemies, and, and he was yeah. he was the biggest celebrity of the of the old west at that point. So everyone was gunning for him. Oh, so yeah. I want to be the one to take him out. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'll be famous because I take out Wild Bill. And when he went sat down at the game, the only chair open was had its back to the door, and he asked someone to change chairs with him, and the guy refused. Hickok sat down at the game anyway, and the guy guy walked in and killed him. So, isn't it funny sometimes how things pivot on that one occurrence? One little thing, yeah. One little thing. <laughs> if it would a guy, you know, it's uh, it's if they changed chairs, it probably never would have happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then for all you know, he would have died an old man in his eighties. You know, exactly because that you know he dodged that bullet. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, personally. I think the real stories, the historical perspective, like you said, of these characters, mm -hmm. you know, regardless of whether they're part of a haunted place or anything, I think it's much more interesting than the, you know, the glamorized, romanticized versions that they want to give out. Um, yeah. Well, I do too. I mean, you can learn more from it and you can, I mean, honestly, you can identify more with it because they're, they're real people and they have good points and bad points. And, and, uh, you know, if you know the real stories, a lot of times you can kind of put yourself in their spot and understand why they got where they were or why they did what they did, you know? Um, some of these people, even when the, you know, when people would homestead and move out, like, mm -hmm. and, you know, Everybody here is so used to dialing 911 and you get help. And when you moved out there, you were on your own. You were lucky you, you if you were. had a doctor in the nearest town. Otherwise, yeah, most places didn't. Mm -mm, no, they didn't. They didn't. No. Uh, so people survived and, you know, but that's that it made for a lot of strong characters, some worse than others in some cases. But I think it's so <laughs> yeah. interesting. You've, you've done, uh, is there any place specifically that you've been to uh recently as far as historical spot oh well i had quite a few um well i'd say well one of my favorites and actually we're going to have an event there in april is um in newtonia missouri uh the ritchie mansion and it's it's a civil war home actually uh two battles happened on their front yard so uh in the civil war um it, it's a, just a fascinating place with a lot of activity. Um, uh, in March 12th, uh, uh, we're actually going to have an all-day event at the Coleman Theater in Miami, Oklahoma, which is um, it's really interesting because it's a site, the site of the first jail uh, in, in the county from the 1840s. Um, there, uh, other buildings were on site, burned down, including, uh, including a funeral home. Uh, the the Coleman itself is basically it is probably the most gorgeous building within 500 miles. I can easily say. Okay. Um, Mr. Coleman made a fortune in the oil fields in Oklahoma, mm -hmm. and was and actually uh, lived uh, in California as well. His kids were fr his son was best friends with Bing Crosby. If that gives you an idea. And, uh, but they, they lived here and his wife would get bored. So, uh, among his other business interests, he decided to build the theater and the inside of the theater is based on Versailles. Wow. That must be yeah. beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. 
So if the, um, Lisa, if anybody wanted to know what events that are coming up, what website would they go to? If uh, they can go to TurnerScienceLab.com, that's my team uh, uh, page. But if you go on Facebook, you can look at the Paranormal Science Lab page or the Dark Ozarks page. If you're interested okay. in dark history and legends. Um, Check out the Dark Ozarks page on Facebook. Um, there's a series of videos on there as well as on YouTube um, mm -hmm. that um, my co-producer and I sit down every week and talk about different topics. And then we have all kinds of different information on the page. So, Let me ask you, have you ever done any research into, I want to call it, you know how you hear some stories and, you know, nobody really believes it or it's like hearsay. Mm -hmm. And then when you do it, when you've, gone into investigating or researching it, it turns out to be accurate. Have you ever come across that? You know, something that um, people thought was just too dark maybe or or too over the top. Um well I mean there I mean there are some stories like that. Um that I, on first blush, you know, people would if they aren't familiar with it, they would think it was not true. Um, mm -hmm. um I, th I find, like you said earlier, though, that a lot of the situations that the legends and the urban legends are are um, manufactured, and then you find out the truth, and then sometimes right. they're more interesting. Um, but one of the sort of those uh, sort of off the wall or you know out there things is that um, there's a ghost light, earth light that's not far from here. That's uh, it's called the spook light um, that has been uh, documented by uh, natives for hundreds of years and uh, was documented on the trail of tears etc and it's still there um, and no one can figure out what it is I mean uh, really? the Corps of Engineers has been down the army has studied at various universities and they usually default well maybe it's swamp gas or something like that and it's like well, there's no marshy area in, within 50 miles that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, try again yeah. think of something else yeah or headlight headlights from the road from the highway 15 miles away except for it's been documented for over 200 years and and uh, it can be seen all directions over several square miles but <laughs> but we'll go with that <laughs> what was it originally that they were saying that it was when it was like originally cited well, I mean they just uh, they it's a it's a ball of light that um Mm -hmm. is seen um, and it will sometimes it goes through the field sometimes through the trees sometimes it's about five feet off the ground sometimes it's higher up um, and you know different legends did grow up uh, uh, one you know with, was the perennial suicidal Indian princess story that okay, is all over okay. the country. Okay. Yeah. That's um, what I mean. I know that before you ever yeah. got to swamp gas, they would have yeah. some story to it. You know, one, one version is that it, that it, it was a, 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 a farmer during the, the civil war, his children disappeared and, and he went out looking for him and it's, you okay. know, the land and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but to be perfectly honest, so many people, locally, I mean, thousands of people have seen it, you know, I mean, it's just for years and years um, that most people don't view it that way. They view it as it is a ball of light or plasma or something, but we right, just don't. Right. Yeah. And nobody can explain it, though. That is so interesting. Yeah. Especially when you have all these attempts at the science. Don't get, I, I'm, I'm yeah. a friend of science. I know people are going, I, I'm a friend of Me science. Too. I don't have a problem with science, but. 
when other scientists try to explain and they just like uh, mumble and walk away and oh, it must be whatever. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You don't know what it is either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, and so it's, um, but it's, it's, it's definitely interesting. And there, and there's other phenomena that happen in the area too. I mean, people see shadow people. Um, one of the strangest things um, I had an experience years ago down there, uh, there were four or five of us there had gone down and, we'd come in one car and we'd walk down far enough down the road that a couple of them decide we'll go back and get the car and bring it up. So three of us are standing there and while, while we're, we're standing on the side of the road and all of a sudden we hear a pack of coyotes, what sounds like a pack of coyotes running towards us from the other side of the road. And they keep it. I mean, you can hear them running, you can hear them yipping and they keep coming and they don't, veer off one way or the other which you know normally they would and a lot of times as they approach people they will get quiet uh that didn't happen and you hear them go past us on both sides and go on through but they never slow down as if as if they went straight through the fences on either side of the road and the trees etc and literally that happened and we you know all three just kind of look at each other and say you know like did that just happen, you know? Okay. Um, and I, I had not heard of anyone having that experience, but then over the years I've had three or four different people come to me at different events and so forth and tell me they had similar experiences down there. Really? So, so phantom coyotes that I was about to say, because for a minute there, I thought I was going to say like real coyotes, like something was chasing I mean, them. Yeah. You well, know. yeah, I mean, that's what the, well, I wouldn't say chasing. I'd say, you know, it sound like a pack of coyotes running on, on the hunt, you know. Right, right. Uh, but enough that they, like, weren't stopping for anything. Yeah. No, yeah. Like, they were running as if there was nothing in their way, that there was, you know, no barbed bar wire. But all you had was the auditory. Yeah. But that we all three so heard weird. it, you know, go past us. And it just sounded like they were all around us going past us. Yeah. That is, that's so that's unusual. That's very unusual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so there's other things that happen right down there too. So it's a very interesting place. I bet. Oh, because I was going to say, uh, sometimes you have these little areas where you have all these phenomena, whether it's UFO sightings mm-hmm. or just weird anomalies or what we, you said, these auditory uh-huh. things that nobody can really explain and the lights. And, and sometimes they seem to be centered around a certain area. Mm-hmm. where it's like everything's just a little bit off yeah and and this is one that you can't really point to anything and say this is why i think it is you know that is so interesting mm-hmm. lisa i want to thank you it's been absolutely wonderful to speak to you that's so interesting oh i've, I've really enjoyed it no and like i said um i will put a link in the credits of the show um, thank you for anybody that wants to visit your website and if you have any events coming up they can go there and uh, I guess you post everything as far as any upcoming events, right? Yep. Which is great because, you know, this is, uh, why wait till Halloween, man? I'm telling you, you know, I'm into one of these, like it's paranormal 365. Yeah. This is, you know, don't wait till Halloween or to, you know, some of these places, you know, they get overbooked. Do do it now. (laughs) It's like, do it now. And and usually you have a better time. (laughs) Usually you have a better time when when it's not October. (laughs) right exactly exactly this is the time to do it so again thank you so much it has been a pleasure to speak to you it well it's been my pleasure as well and thank you very much you're welcome take care
EJ. Wow. This was great. See, God, I could talk to her for a while. I bet you she has a lot of great stories. Oh, Marlene, I'm such a sucker for a story. Well, anyway, guys. Like one of those things, now, after the end of this, you're going to hear me do my uh, Supernatural Central thing. And it's just it's a weird timing thing today. But anyway, uh, I hope you like it. It's a couple of uh, unusual news articles about paranormal weird stuff. Why not, huh? So again, guys, please come back every week. I have a lot of interesting guests, new ones, ones that are coming back again, um, talking about different things. Uh, you know, a lot of them during all this time that there was nothing else to do. They wrote books. Uh, they did a lot of research, a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. Uh, like I said, I have, I'm bringing on guests that I've never had on before. Um, and go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com or MarlenePardo.com or MPPellicer.com. On there, I have links to any of the videos, okay? Whether it's on YouTube, on Rumble, on BitChute, on Steemit. I've got video versions. I've got links to any of the video sites. I've got links there to any of the podcast platforms, whatever your preference is. And like I've said before in other shows, if you want to listen to any of the podcast versions of any of the episodes without commercial interruptions, I've got a link there where you could listen. Uh, I host a version, a podcast version where you could listen to it on the browser or download the MP3 file. No cost, no commercial interruptions. Just go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Um, and again, I'm working on a book, book three, well, book three of the Sybil Chronicles, but I've put two novellas, so it's really the fifth in that universe. I'm hoping to have it out by April. So if you're into dark, supernatural, fantasy, hey, I've got the book for you. I think you're going to really like it. And like I said, even though the character, this is the fifth, book for that character or that universe a civil universe you can read the book freestanding without having read the others and you're not going to be like huh you know because i know some some series like if you don't read it from the beginning you kind of like are really lost and i try very hard not to do that and even when i do bring in a character or something from a prior book i try to reference it Whoever's reading it will understand. Please come back. Don't forget to subscribe to my newsletter on there. I will release just weird articles about different things. I also put on there a podcast version of the different episodes. If you're into scary stories, I have Supernatural Storytime, which is, you can go to SupernaturalStoryTime.com. And I just have about maybe 30 minutes worth of weird, just little stories about experiences that people have. Ghost encounters, creepy woods, stuff like that. Um, I even have one uh, version of it. It's called Stories to Listen to When You Drive, that kind of thing. I also have NightshadeDiary.com. There I narrate a classic horror adventure uh, type of stories um, 
really interested in H.P. Lovecraft. I've done some early, early uh, Anne Rice. Um, a lot of the um, occult detective stories that were penned during the 1920s, the 1930s, August Derleth, uh, you name it. If these guys were writing for one of the Pulp Fiction magazines, I'm probably narrating one of their stories. I'm a big fan of theirs. Plus, of course, going into all the um, English authors like, uh, oh God, all of them. And then, you know, usually turn of the century, M.R. James, um, anybody that wrote worthwhile. And by the way, I found that a lot of lady authors from that time wrote great, great ghost stories. Fantastic ghost stories. I narrate them all. So if that's your thing, baby, go to nightshadediary.com. Again, I want to thank you so very much for being part of my audience. And I look forward Hi, to seeing you Hi, everybody. It's Marlene week. with Stories of the Supernatural. And as promised, um, this is going to be the first mini episode of what I'm calling Supernatural Central, which is short video about weird and unusual things that are happening out there in the world. And the reason why I decided to do this is that sometimes we have so much going on in our world, which is kind of like very troublesome, ugly stuff to worry about that. It's like, you know, let, let's look at some other news that at least what's the worst. It's going to make you laugh or you're going to go really, or whatever, you know, just a little alternative, just to shift our focus off of things that sometimes might feel overwhelming. You know, just to remind us that life is still going on. Other things are going on, even if they're on the periphery. But let's get going on. And I want your feedback on what you guys think about this. And please bear with me as I'm learning to share my screen. All right, let's see. Oh, there we go. Okay. All right. Now, the first story that we've got, this is from Lon Strickler's Phantom and Monsters. Uh, this is from his blog. By the way, uh, he's been on the show a few times. He's great. This guy has got, he's been around for so long and he has heard, he, he gets a lot of people that write to him about his, about different stories and counters. But anyway, let's look at this one which um, it's titled the Glimmer Man Entity Encountered at Abandoned United States Air Force Radar Station. All right. And I guess this is kind of what's left on there. It says the witness and his friend were exploring the abandoned Brookfield United States Air Force Station in Ohio when they encountered an unknown beeping and an aggressive Glimmer Man Entity. The witness, Joseph, claims that sometime in November 2002, well, 20 years, he and a friend decided to head to the abandoned Brookfield Air Force Station located near Brookfield, Ohio. It had been abandoned since around 1986 after previously being a nursing home. There were about 30 empty buildings on 10 acres of land surrounded by overgrown vegetation and a barbed wire fence. Police regularly patrolled the area to keep out vandals, though many of the locals, like Joseph, spent much of their youth roaming around the old base. Joseph believes he had been there more than 100 times. As an adult, Joseph still liked to go up to the area occasionally and shoot guns, hike, etc. The base was about a tenth of a mile from his home through the woods. There was a hole cut in the fence which allowed easy access to the property. On that chilly November 2002 day, Joseph and his old friend Tori decided to head to the base to do some shooting. Only Joseph was armed. There was light snow on the ground as they made their way through the woods following a deer path to the wire fence. Joseph noted that it was unusually quiet that day walking in the woods. 
No sounds of animals, no wind, no nothing. At the time, he didn't think much of it, but looking back, he believes that it was strange enough that he remembered it. After finding and crawling through the hole, they eventually made their way onto the base, walking through knee-deep grass. Then they come to the beeping sound. As they walked towards the buildings, they began to hear beeping sounds, which they found to be odd given that the buildings hadn't had power since the late 1980s. As they got within five feet of the building, the beeps increased and became louder. They eventually made their way through an open garage bay door, and this is when the beeping went crazy. Think a metal detector zeroing in on metal. Tori became frightened. Joseph noticed that there were two doors leading into rooms, one of which was closed. He found this odd because every other time he had come up, the doors were open. The beeping was coming from the room with the door closed, so despite Tori's misgivings, Joseph kicked open the door and entered. The beep slowly faded out, replaced by a loud droning noise. He noticed a device sitting on the floor about three feet away. Initially, he thought it was a pipe bomb. He thought he was going to die. It looked like an air compressor with wires on its left side, going into a rectangular black box with a cylinder attached to it. I have no idea what it was, Joseph recalled. He wondered if the police or maybe the Marines, who occasionally trained on the base, had put it there. Tori was frightened and insisted that they leave. Joseph also shared that feeling. They decided to head back to the fence and get out of there. As they made their way through the tall grass, things got very quiet. They both stopped, sensing that they were being watched. All of a sudden, they could hear footsteps coming through the overgrown brush. That is when they noticed across the field that snow was bouncing up and the grass bushes were parting as if something was going through the grass, something they couldn't see. It was the weirdest thing, Joseph said. Joseph could see the outline of what appeared to be a human, but it was transparent. He could see through it. He could see the brush on the other side of it, but it was distorted like an optical illusion. Both men became frightened and headed for the fence. Joseph and Tori both kept an eye on it as they moved. They noted that there were clear indentations in the snow and the brush, and snow were moving as if somebody was trudging through the grass, but they couldn't see anything beyond an outline. Even stranger Joseph claimed that it seemed to completely vanish occasionally and then come back. It trailed them but never got more than 30 feet away from them, except when they neared the fence. At some point, Joseph stopped and raised his rifle at the thing. This seemed to anger the entity. There was some brush that stood about 15 feet high and it separated, like somebody drove a truck through it. It was coming hard. Snow was flying. Brush was flying. Joseph aimed at it, but for the first time ever, as a hunter, he felt a real sense of dread, like he should not shoot at it. His friend Tori also urged them not to shoot as it would only make it worse. They eventually found the hole and by this time it was full sprinting at them. The two men rushed through and into the woods, keeping their eyes on the semi-invisible entity. Joseph noticed that it had stopped at the fence. It was almost as if it wasn't allowed to leave and it was gone like it evaporated. Three weeks later, Joseph returned with another friend and they spent hours searching through every abandoned building and never found the beeping device nor did they ever encounter the entity again. Looking back, Joseph senses that the thing he encountered was something evil and that it meant to do them harm. He likened his sighting to the Alien and the Predator films, but noted that while similar, it wasn't the same. Uh, in the comments section of the video is a post from a person named Ian Billen, which seemed to back up some of Joseph's claims. Quote, excellent to hear because I'm very familiar with a radar base in Brookfield, Ohio. My grandmother lived in the woods right behind it on Stewart Road. 
As kids, we would journey there from time to time through the woods on a special secret hike. We would get in through a hole in the fence in the woods, in a word eerie. I'm familiar with the beep and the garage. My cousin John and I heard the beep, but we never knew where it would come from. The beeps did not speed up, just loud beeps spaced a few seconds apart from somewhere. There was definitely something going on there. After it had closed as a nursing home, there was still mail being delivered and collected regularly. Fire hydrants were still being kept up to date. Telephones were still on and ringing. Dogs were kept in select areas inside locked, abandoned buildings. This was many years after it had closed and not a soul was around. However, you always felt as if you were being watched. At times, the police would show up and being as we were kids, we would take off. How would they know we were there? There was definitely something governmental slash UFO always surrounding this place well before the famous UFO incident referenced 1994, the Trumbull County, Ohio UFO incident. And at times, ghost-like things occurred that is too long to type here. We would hear sudden loud, unexplained things, banging noises right within our vicinity that we could not determine if it was a person on the next floor who should not be there and that we didn't see or the grounds that were haunted. We would also hear things in buildings, etc. And this place is in the middle of nowhere, no houses or people in sight, and it is fenced off way back off Route 7. The UFO incident simply sealed off the deal for us. Awesome to hear this because the few folks who lived right around the area always suspected something just had to be up with the radar base. Wow. And you know what's really interesting about this? <laughs> Even before... Um, it got to that part about the predator. That's exactly what I was thinking when it's describing it. I was like, wow, that sounds mm -hmm. like the creature in the, in the predator, you know, especially in the first one, which is really when they introduced the, that predator creature where it was basically camouflaging itself, um, whether it was bending light or something so that you couldn't see it. And I was thinking, and then at the end, even though he says it was different, but that's exactly what I was thinking. And, um, you know, also another thing, you know, you're thinking, well, this place used to be a nursing home. That's weird. An Air Force base that they turn into a nursing home. But then after they close it as a nursing home, there's still some type of activity or governmental activity going on. And then you think, well, you know what? Maybe they decided to go underground with whatever research. What better cover than to make it on the surface, at least? Um, a nursing home, you know, lots of older people, they might not, they're not, you know, they're not kids going to run around and get into what they shouldn't. Perfect place to basically, you know, do weird scientific research, you know, as in the government and just to, Hey, and if any old person ever saw anything, they would say, Oh my God, that poor old lady, that poor old man, they, they just imagine something. Yeah, we need to up their medication. <laughs> kind of. Let's see. Uh, let me see which one is the next one. That was pretty long. I didn't realize it was going to be that long. But let's see. Uh, share. Uh, uh, let's see which one's the next one we're going to look at. Oh, okay. This one I remember was, was, was way out there. Okay. This is unusual to say the least. It's a, <laughs> a person that claimed to have a sighting of goat man or goat thing or goat, whatever. Um, 
and it's uh, it appeared in the uh, Coast to Coast in their uh, article section, but they picked it up off somewhere else. But anyway, this is what it's saying. A British motorist was left scratching their head when a mysterious bipedal creature that they likened to a goat man dashed across the road in front of their car. Recounting the bizarre encounter on a parenting forum, <laughs> that's okay. the bewildered witness explained that the incident unfolded at about 2 a.m. this past Sunday morning as they were driving near the community of Staverton. Okay, this had to be recent because this was posted yesterday, so it was happened like a week ago. Uh, the trip took a decidedly strange turn, they said, when something crossed the road in front of us in full headlights for about three seconds and made a distinct impression on the mystified motorist. Getting a fairly good look at the oddity, the witness described it as being about the height of a person, maybe six feet or over, and noted that it had short, powerful legs and hips, which seemed to move in a circular, fluid fashion. The motorist went on to say that it was not a deer because it stood on two legs and also dismissed the suggestion that the creature could have been a kangaroo, as it was much taller and upright when moving. Later, observing that it was somewhat similar to a gigantic hare, but far too large for that to be the case, the driver mused, the closest we can describe is a large man-goat on hind legs, but really stocky ones. Pan? Oh. Other members of the forum posited that perhaps the motorist encountered a Bigfoot, or even the devil, out for a late-night stroll. But the witness was skeptical about such fantastic possibilities. Despite likening the creature to a mango, the driver declared that it was not a kangaroo, goat man, slender man, or sasquatch. These things don't exist. As such, the motorists ultimately conceded that they may have to settle on the possibility that they spotted a startled mangy deer, since nothing so far really fits the bill. And the alternative answers might be a bit too unsettling to consider. I don't know. Uh... You know what? That's a weird thing to post on a parenting forum here. You know, you're parenting, you're talking about, you know, school or things for your kids or this newest game or whatever. And oh, by the way, I'm going home at 2 a.m. and a goat man. I think I saw a goat man. Okay, what can I say? It's a, that's a little bit, I, I bet it got everybody's attention. I'll tell you that much. It's like, okay, uh, let's see. Let's go on to the next one, which is, <laughs> I'm telling you, that is, ah, uh, oh, this was interesting. This is a, this was a, um, an article that appeared in Live Science. It came out in couple of months ago, well, October of 2021, it's still recent. And basically what it's saying is that the spirit mirror used by 16th century occultist John Dee came from the Aztec empire. And for anybody that is familiar with John Dee, he was in the court of Elizabeth I. And let's go on. It says here, the 16th century courtier, courtier John Dee, a scientific advisor to England's Queen Elizabeth I, was also deeply involved in magic and the occult, and he tried to commune with ghosts using a so-called spirit mirror made of polished obsidian. Now a new analysis of Dee's infamous mirror has finally traced it to origins, not to the spirit world, but to the Aztec Empire. Obsidian mirrors such as these were known from Aztec culture, but there were no records on this mirror's origin. However, geochemical analysis enabled researchers 
to link the obsidians, the mirrors obsidian. Hold on a minute. Uh, okay, a type of volcanic glass to Pachuca, Mexico, a popular source of obsidian for Aztec people. This finding indicated that the artifact was Aztec and not a copy made from European obsidian. MD likely acquired a mirror after it was brought to Europe from Mexico, according to a new study. Though D was a scientific and a scientist and mathematician, his interest also swung towards the magical and mystical. And in addition to the spirit mirror, he owned other objects related to astrology, divination, alchemy, and the exploration of demonic magic. Scientists reported October 7th in the journal Antiquity. D claimed that one of these objects, a purple crystal on a chain, was given to him by the archangel Uriel along with instructions for making a philosopher's stone, the mythical a chemical marvel that promised the life of e the gift of eternal life and the ability to turn base metals into gold, according to the Royal College of Physicians in London. Dee also possessed a clawed glass, a black glass mirror kept in a sharkskin case, which he used for peering into the future, according to the R RCP. I believe that they also referred to it as scrying, even though you can scry also into water, but with a dark you know, over dark interior. Dee's obsidian mirror, now with a collection of the British Museum in London, is polished on both sides and is nearly perfectly circular, measuring about 7.2 inches or 18.5 centimeters in diameter and 0.5 inches or 13 millimeters thick and weighing about 31 ounces. A perforated square tab at the top of the mirror measures about, what, 1.3? Oh my God, wait a minute, hold on. Wait, 